all I'm really waiting for now, movie-wise, I need to hear Chris Pratt's Mario. I just need to know what it sounds like. I don't care about anything else with that movie. I just need him to do the Mario voice. I Who else was in that like yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. I think the cuz even even though they've said we're not going to do this Italian plumber thing, I'm still going to expect it until he talks. Yes. And then when it doesn't sound like that, I'm going to be so dis I can already tell I'm going to be very disappointed with it, but like uh Anya Taylor Joy is Peach, whatever. Don't care. Peach does. She talks, but I'm not. There's no like Peach voice I really yeah, care about. Yeah. Charlie Day is Luigi, whatever. L- Luigi sucks. I could buy that though. I can see that. Jack Black is Bowser. Bowser usually just growls and stuff, so I guess he's gonna talk in this version. <laughs> Jack Black's fine. Yeah. I, I I think he's kind of lost a step a little bit, but he's still good. <laughs> I think I think musically is where my issue is with him more. Okay. So hopefully there's no Bowser like song. <laughs> but there might be. I can see that happening though too. Keegan Michael Key is Toad. I get it. He's yeah, great. I'm down. Yeah, he could do a voice, I'm sure, for it. But I really kind of want them to force him to do that real high pitched toad <laughs> voice. Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. I don't even That's the one. Know. That's yeah. the other one where I'm like, I don't I don't know. And this one, you know, Cranky Kong, yeah, Fred Armisen. I could see him doing like an old, old mm-hmm. grandpa-y voice. Yeah, like that might if, work. And do you remember that Cranky Kong is the original Kong from the arcade game? No, I didn't. Storyline wise, is that yeah. what it's supposed to be? Yeah, Cranky Kong is that original Kong from the arcade game, and Donkey Kong Junior. That arcade game, that's Donkey Kong in that one. Wait, all right, I'm already lost. <laughs> So they made a Donkey Kong Jr. game, right? Yeah. That you're talking and, like arcade cabinet or something, right? Yeah. Wasn't that, okay. 1982 cabinet game. And that's that's the reverse of the original Donkey Kong game. You play as Donkey Kong Jr. to free your dad from Mario. Okay. And that Jr. is modern Donkey Kong. And the, the, the Kong you're freeing is Cranky Kong from the okay. first arcade game. All right. I had no idea that was the lore behind those games. Yeah. And that's the only Mario lore that exists. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other wild thing about this movie. There's no real, like, story. I mean, we know what it's going to be, right? Bowser shows up, causes Steel some speech. havoc, takes the princess. But that's the thing. But everything else in between there is so interchangeable. There's nothing they can really follow when writing a script. Yeah. Like, that's what I mean. They have to basically come up with everything but the major beats. Is it going to be like some own. like some of these other movies start doing where they get real meta, where suddenly you go through, like, the Nintendo-verse or something, and you see all these other Nintendo characters or something? Well, remember, Cranky Kong and Donkey Kong typically aren't in mainline Mario games. Yeah. And there's the whole people wondering, is this going to start in live action, and then they get, like, transported to a digital world, or... I mean, you could do it, too, like, where every time they go down one of those portal tubes, you end up in a different, like, Nintendo mm-hmm. game universe or something like that. Like, is Chris Pratt going to be a plumber and then fall down a tube <laughs> and become Mario? If they dress up Chris Pratt like a plumber, all I'm going to be thinking about the whole time is, you are no Bob Hoskins. Give me <laughs> the 1990-whatever version of Super Mario Brothers.
Hello and welcome to another episode of Bright Guy and the Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is someone who's only here for that slice of ham, John Ham. Ian Leidick. John Ham is the greatest actor of his time. Mad Men was a transcendental movie universe that was a TV show, but at the same time, it transcended everything to end with a fucking Coca-Cola ad. <laughs> I've never is that spoilers for Mad Men? I've never seen Mad Men. I don't think telling you the movie ends with Don Draper, John Hamm, thinking up the fate most one of the most famous Coca-Cola ads of all time is necessarily a spoiler, but <laughs> yes, that's how it ends. Okay. Just because, so, you know, you don't get any of the character journey and all that stuff. All you know is it ends with him thinking up like that real popular Coca-Cola ad from like the six, late 60s or seven, early 70s. I can't remember it off the top of my head what it is because Zoomer. <laughs> Yet again, playing up your age every time. Um, all right, yeah, yeah I, I don't, I don't want to get into coke ads. <laughs> uh, all right, so we're here to talk about uh, one of the movies that was on my most anticipated list for 2022. Came in at number nine for me. That was Top Gun Maverick. Um, honestly, I didn't think this was really in Ian's wheelhouse, but he kept saying the only reason he wanted to go was for John Hamm. So it turns out. He's the only other one in the podcast group that went to go see this movie, so that's why we're here with just the two of us. Which I think makes it even funnier for me, because you also admitted when, when you after you saw the movie, after you saw Maverick, that you have not seen the first Top Gun movie, correct? No, yeah. I have not seen, still haven't seen Top Gun. <laughs> I've seen I've seen the music video for Danger Zone, which features <laughs> clips from Top Gun, including the volleyball scene. I've never seen the volleyball scene in full. <laughs> so is that is the music video for the the song enough to get you caught up on that movie? Yeah, uh, yeah, because they have the line "I have the need, the need for speed." I mean, that is an important part of the movie. So yeah, you're right. That's the that's the movie. I, think. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't get this Val Kilmer connection, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was gonna ask if it get like if you have not seen the first one, if you were able to, I guess, sort of follow along, or if you felt like you were missing anything from the first one into this one no i mean i i don't know if um Jen jennifer conley's character penny is in the first one i think she is because they do a flashback they do a lot of flashbacks in this i feel like so any major plot point from the first film is like that that's brought up in this one is covered through flashback and uh, yeah they do do a good job of the the flashbacky stuff for it and I was trying to remember too. I don't think I remember if if Jennifer Connelly's character is supposed to be someone from the first Top Gun. I don't remember her. And now I'm trying to look through the the list of characters in because the original show, Top Gun. They show her daughter, like like him playing the piano, or Goose playing the piano, like with the daughter, like on the piano or like watching. Uh, when Goose is playing the piano, that's supposed to be his son. There's a daughter in that or something. I don't know. Because that's the whole Miles Teller thing. Fuck him. <laughs> I don't know. Cut this. Cut this. <laughs> we just broken your illusion. There, There is some flashback scene where, like, Jennifer Conley's daughter or her herself, because maybe she's 30 years younger than Tom Cruise film-wise. Could be. I didn't, yeah, I didn't look up both her ages. There's but... a flashback with, like, her in it. Okay. I, I don't remember that offhand, but... I don't. I'm. I'm not saying I don't believe you. It's probably in there. I just missed it. It's not in the Wikipedia plot summary, but it's also <laughs> super important to the story. Um. Yeah. So anyway, we're here to talk about Top Gun. I'm going to go through the uh, writers, directors, actors, all that kind of stuff, and then we'll get into 
what we thought. So the movie is directed by Joseph Krasinski, or not not Krasinski, John Krasinski is the office guy. Joseph Kaczynski, Kaczynski is the director of this movie. Um, he directed a bunch of movies that I really like. He did Tron Legacy in 2010, Oblivion in 2013. That was also a Tom Cruise movie. Um, I've heard good things about Only the Brave, but I never saw that one. That was 2017 about a group of firefighters uh, fighting wildfires, I think, somewhere. I can't remember where it was set. Uh, and then he did Top Gun Maverick, and he has Spiderhead with Chris Hemsworth coming out on Netflix, I think, in the next couple months. And you forgot his two most important credits. He did the commercial for Halo 3, the Starry Night commercial, which was fantastic. And the award-winning... Huh? I said he's not listed as IMDb with the Halo commercial. Well, it's probably because they don't list commercials on there. Yeah, maybe. And the award-winning Mad World commercial for Gears of War. That's listed. The video short for Gears okay. of War Mad World is there, yeah. I forgot yeah. that was award-winning, so good pull. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that was a phenomenal commercial. Yeah. I hate I to still say remember it. that. It worked. Yeah. R.I.P. Dom. <laughs> Uh, the writing credits for the movie, they have uh, Peter Craig and Justin Marks as credited as the story writers. Uh, Peter Craig has done uh, The Town, uh, two of the Hunger Games movies. He did Mockingjay Part 1 and 2. Uh, Bad Boys for Life, which I'm all good for. One of my favorites. Uh, the Batman, he helped write. And Top Gun Maverick. Uh, Justin Marks has, what does he have in his credits? Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. He did that screenplay. Guess I gotta watch that now. Uh, the Jungle Book from 2016, which I think is like the the live action CG ish one that uh, mm. Favreau did. Uh, Top Gun Maverick. He's listed on a couple others upcoming. Uh, the screenplay has three writers attached to it: Aaron Kruger, uh, Eric Warren Singer, and Christopher McQuarrie. Christopher McQuarrie is obviously one of the bigger Tom Cruise collaborators. They're doing a lot of shit together. Um, They've done the last two Mission Impossibles. They're doing the next two Mission Impossibles. Uh, they did Jack Reacher together. McCory's a good screenwriter and ends up popping up on a lot of stuff. Um, Aaron Kruger, what have they done? They've done a whole bunch of stuff. Written uh, Scream 3, Reindeer Games, The Ring, The Ring 2, uh, The Skeleton Key, Brothers Grimm, three Transformers movies, Revenge of the Fallen, Dark of the Moon, Age of Extinction, uh, Ghost in the Shell, 2017. Nah. <laughs> uh, screenplay for Dumbo, Top Dog Maverick. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff under their belt. Um, Aaron Warren. What was the guy's name? Aaron Warren Singer. Uh, oh, he did the Eon Flux TV series. He wrote an episode, 1995. Oh, that was a really good show. Uh, the International, 20, 2009, American Hustle, 2013. Only the Brave for just Joe Kaczynski. 2017, Top Gun Maverick now. Uh, so yeah, not a lot, but some decent stuff there. Uh, the movie stars Tom Cruise coming back as Pete Maverick Mitchell. Uh, Val Kilmer is still back in this movie. Kind of, I guess, I don't know if that's a spoiler or not, but he is listed as the cast list. Uh, back as Iceman, Miles Teller plays Rooster. Jennifer Connelly as Penny. Uh... Bashir Saladun, Sal, Salhuddin as Hondo, John Hamm, uh, Cyclone, Charles Parnell, Warlock. These are these are all the car sign, call signs, I guess, for the fighters. Uh, Monica Barbero as Phoenix, Louis Pullman as Bob, 
Jay Ellis as Payback, Danny Ramirez as Fanboy, Glenn Powell as Hangman, uh, Jack Schumacher as Omaha. I don't know if these... Some of these... Call these signs. are the ones that appeared in the bar scene now, but I don't know if they never actually. Lines. Okay, so we're getting into the lower cast there. So, yeah, there's a lot of lot of people in this one. Uh, ratings for the movie right now: Top Gun Maverick on Rotten Tomatoes has a 97 percent critic rating and a 99 percent audience rating, which is pretty fucking high. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's only been out of, what, a week and a half-ish, going on two weeks, so... Or no, it's, a, yeah, a week, right? When did it come out? 27th, so a week. It's been about a week. So we'll see if that... I mean, that could fluctuate over the next couple weeks as it stays around theaters. Um, the original Top Gun, if I go back to the Rotten Tomatoes for that one, the critic rating for the original Top Gun is 57%, but the audience rating is 83%. Uh, compared to Metacritic, we have... Top Gun Maverick is currently sitting at 78 Metascore and an 8.9 User Score. The original Top Gun comes in with a Metascore at 50, User Score 7.1. So, it seems like most ratings seem to agree. The first movie is critically not all that great, which I think I would agree with. I don't think it's a very, like, I don't know, good movie. Like, as far as, like, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, there's not a lot to... It's pretty simple, I guess. There's not... Mm -hmm much of a story that I can remember that really stands out. Like you just remember the, the homoerotic volleyball scene and the, I was going to say, I think it's about male bonding. Yeah. There's a lot of that. It's, it's a, it's a guy's movie. And if you're in the eighties and you watch that kind of stuff, then this just, you know, hit for you. So I think that's why it helps the audience scores. Maverick is definitely getting critically reviewed a lot better. I do think compared to the two Maverick, I think is a much better story driven movie than what the original Top Gun was. So I think I can agree with those scores. There's an actual story. Yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, so for the box office for the movie, the movie opened. Where was that number at? So opening weekend domestic, it came in with $124 million. The current weekend holder for the Memorial Day weekend is Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, which had $153 million over that weekend. So... Doesn't seem like it's going to cross that. I don't think it hit. They were projecting for around $151 million, I think, for the Memorial Day weekend. I don't think it crossed the Pirates of the Caribbean mark. I could be wrong. At least the article I'm reading doesn't have updated numbers. Um, and this is, this is pulling in numbers without international releases in some markets. It has not released in China, in Russia, um, but it did pull another $124 million internationally. So the opening weekend, it brought in almost $250 million worldwide. Which makes it the highest grossing domestic debut in Cruz's 40-year career. And his first to surpass $100 million on opening weekend. The other previous record holder for him, highest grossing opening weekend, was World of Worlds from 2005. Which opened $64 million domestically. So That's he kind of blew that out of the water. Surprising. Yeah. Um, and as far as the <clears throat> top pandemic era opening weekends, uh, this comes in at number four. So the first one is still Spider-Man No Way Home, 260 million, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, 187 million, The Batman, 134 million, and then Top Gun Maverick will be number four with 124 million. So I, that's pretty impressive, I think, considering yeah. this year. 
Yeah, and it's it's not cape shit. Yeah, that's the other thing is that uh, it's not a superhero movie. Like they actually got different audiences to come to the theater for this, which is another thing this article mentions is that audiences over 40, 40 years old were the people who were at the top of the mind when Paramount greenlit another Top Gun. And they turned out apparently pretty well. 55% of ticket buyers uh, were that age. Um, and it seems to be that's the age that is the most reluctant to return to theater. So this movie got them out of the house and in the theater. Uh, it also brought in 45% of people that bought tickets were 35 or younger. Uh, and all of those people were not alive when the original Top Gun opened 36 years ago. So it was still able to bring in people that, I don't know, maybe knew sort of of Top Gun or maybe their parents showed them the original Top Gun and they were in it. So it's, it's impressive. I think that's pretty good for bringing people back to the theater. I think that's pretty cool. Um, general spoiler-free thoughts before we, we jump into our bigger discussion. Do you have anything you want to touch on that's uh not spoilery what do so, you think of the movie i think overall like compared to what you've said for the original top gun there is an overarching storyline like there's like there's multiple story beats i think there's one main story and then like about tom cruise himself and then a side story about rooster yeah like, in tom cruise and rooster's relationship that i think melds well in together over the course of the film it actually has something like for that, and I think from a technical standpoint, it's very impressive what they did. Yeah. Um. They got these actors actually in the planes. I think the I think there were four to six cameras in the cockpit to film them in the planes during this. They could only fly during certain times because the sun had to be the same. So sometimes they would fly in reverse directions, so the sun would be hitting in the same way. Yeah, they, yeah. Like to do it, like they didn't have a lot of time to film these scenes, and it cost like I think ten thousand per hour. <laughs> That's Jesus. the Navy rate. It makes me wonder. Like I know I've heard about the like the rigs that they put in the in the in the jets to get the shots, and they do use multiple cameras, like you said, like four or five or something like that. I mm. want to see what that rig looks like, like. How do you get all that stuff in the cockpit of a plane? Oh, right. It's it's got to be heavily modified. Actually, I have a picture of like it. I'm gonna send it to you. <laughs> really good for our audio listeners. I'll have to try to remember to put this up on the the podcast page or something. Maybe once this episode's up, you can also cut this part. <laughs> no, I could. Where's the fun in that? It's easier so, just to leave it in and let people wonder what the hell we're talking about. I guess since we're talking about it, I had mentioned to you earlier. That, like, for auditions, like, apparently the actors were given a piece of paper. They had a sign that said they weren't afraid of flying and were not afraid of heights. <laughs> Which but makes they, sense if you're going to be up in an aircraft. But they didn't tell them, you're going to be flying an airplane. Oh, wait, so, they did actually fly? They weren't allowed to. But, okay. like, they didn't know, like, they were going to be filming all of this in the air at that point. You know? Gotcha, gotcha. Like, the whole film. Yeah. Like they probably assume, like, oh, there'll be parts where we're up there or something, but not the whole thing's flown up there. But that's one thing of I think. That, that's one thing. Sorry. I'm just yeah. thinking, thinking back to like the original Top Gun, like, you can tell a lot of the cockpit stuff in that is just like on a soundstage somewhere with mm -hmm. like, you know, background behind them. So when you watch the original Top Gun and then go to some of the shots in the cockpit in this movie, like, holy shit, is it such a big difference? No, oh, yeah. It's, they feels like they're flying it. it. Yeah. 
It, yeah. Like, I think I told you when I told you about that, you were surprised that Tom Cruise, at least, hadn't actually been flying the whole time. Yeah, I assumed he was. I I assumed from the just watching the trailers and just knowing that, like, at least the crazy stunts and shit that he does for Mission Impossible, I thought for sure he'd be like, I'm not making this movie unless I'm flying these planes. So I was, I think, surprised to learn that I guess that wasn't the case. But like, at least, at least the, the fighter jets. Uh, Glenn Powell, who plays Hangman, he said he started flying on his own afterwards, and Tom Cruise like was giving him tips and stuff the whole time. He was like working on getting his flight license. Jeez. He was like helping him out, and once he got his license, like he landed after like the test flight, and yeah. they awarded it to him. There was a note waiting for him from Tom. <laughs> it said, "Welcome to the skies." <laughs> Such a movie actor thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Tom, like I that dude is so weird and crazy, but mm-hmm. I kind of love it. I can't help it. <laughs> like he's a good actor, and he's not necessarily a bad person, and he seems to really care about the craft of film. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like I think that comes up. The um, uh, who's the guy that plays Bob? Uh, uh, Miles Teller. Miles Teller was Rooster. What the fuck me? Bob <laughs> is Lewis Pullman. Basically yes. the same name. But <laughs> they made a joke on set once where they're like, man, at this point, like the Tom Cruise, he says, at this point, you'd have to go to Space to outdo yourself. And everyone starts laughing. And Tom Cruise just nods and goes, yes, that's right. <laughs> In like that I've, tone. I've hey, heard. He's doing a space film now. No, yeah, I've, I thought that was confirmed, like, last yeah. year or something like that, that I think he's supposed to be doing a movie with Doug Liman, yep. who was the guy that did uh, uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Doug Liman yeah. directed Edge of Tomorrow. Um, that their next movie together, I don't know what the movie is about. I don't think there's a, that I've seen, like, a plot summary or synopsis or anything. But whatever it is, it involves putting Tom Cruise in space and shooting him in space. Yep. So Lewis so, Woman predicted the future. Yeah. He knew. And Tom was like, yes, that's correct. <laughs> yeah. Well, you figured that was probably like in the works like five years before that or something. They're just trying to get the approvals. He's got to go through all the flight training and all that stuff. So, yeah. He, and then another just, I guess, fun fact about the film. They shot for over 10 months and 800 hours worth of footage. Damn. That Yeah. I'm just thinking. Now I'm just thinking of the editor. Like. Mm-hmm. What the hell, that job has to be intensive trying to figure out what to use and what to scrap. There was, oh, the craziest part they said is there's a scene earlier in the film where just all of the pilots are, like, walking together that they shot before all the training. Yeah. They had to refilm it because after going through the flight training, the editor was like, you guys walk too confidently now. It doesn't match. (laughs) So they had to reshoot that because of how more confident they all were after going through the flight schooling. And they have this swagger. Exactly. That's what they said. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's kind of wild. Like I, how much they put in for this. And I remember, like, I think there was a line from, I forget who, but they said basically to Tom, you know, it's really cool to like work on this project as like, you know, this might be like my peak, you know, like my apex. And Tom's like, no, don't put yourself down like that. We picked you guys because you're the future of action movies. <laughs> it's like, holy shit, Tom. He's trying to like <laughs> pass to the put, torch. Try to put these young guns over. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens with if Top Gun 3 happens. I mean, with the rate this movie's making money, well, there they- might be a good chance they do that. 
Well, that's the other thing they actually said. They called him a real-life Maverick. Like, when he's walking around the sunglasses and the flight jacket, it feels like it's just Maverick. <laughs> um, the lady, uh, Ramirez said they had just gotten done with, like, a flight. Tom Cruise gave her some notes. And uh, Tom flew back, was, like, flying back in his private jet. and was like, yeah, I just bought this. You know, and he landed, because, like, they both landed in L.A., and he happened to be landing in the plane he just bought. So they fist bump, and he just jumps onto a motorcycle and rides off into the sunset, because he's Tom Cruise. I feel, I feel like every movie that he's on has stories like that, where it's just, like, right? Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise. Exactly. But I guess, can we get back to the film and not just talk about Tom Cruise? <laughs> um... Because from a technical standpoint, I think it was well done. I think all of the actors did a good job, even the younger girl at the bar who, you know, I always think child actors suck because they do. They just don't. You can't. Child labor laws prevent you from making child actors good actors. (laughs) But, you know, even considering she probably child labor laws applied her, she did well. I, I don't think there was a bad thing necessarily. I think you could say. The plot maybe isn't substantive. It's a very typical kind of story. Like, they didn't do anything new in that part. But I think from a technical standpoint, they tried to push as much boundaries as they could by just actually getting 800 hours of flight footage. Oh, yeah. Or whatever. Like, damn. Yeah, I, I... I really enjoyed this too. I I would highly recommend anyone listening to this, if you can, get to see this movie in the biggest, loudest theater that you can find, whether it's IMAX or Dolby or I've heard. Uh, I I was listening to something with a director with Kaczynski where they were talking about the Screen X version of the movie, which isn't something we have around here, but I guess it's basically one movie screen ahead of you and then one other extra screen to the left and one extra screen to the right. So it's almost like like pan panographic. Uh, picture oh so like the old like omni max kind of thing yeah and i guess films that are shot or played in that way they kind of just cg extra stuff to the sides Mm -hmm. he said the way that the rigs were in the cockpit they actually had almost 180 degree view of what they filmed so they actually using that footage that they shot for that version of the movie which i thought sounded really cool but i don't even know where the nearest screen x theater is to even try to see this anywhere but that'd be like a flight to go see a movie somewhere probably (laughs) i guess one other since it's tough with the non-spoiler rule but one other thing i I did read was like the um so like the weapon system pilots like bob and i think the other one was fanboy yeah so like their hard part is a lot of their acting in the cockpit is them looking out the side of windows oh yeah they can't like emote to the screen and stuff and I heard that was, like, a real challenge for them, like, trying to, you know, because they got to just keep looking to the side like that, like, to try and and then act, too. It's it's kind of crazy. Like, it was felt believable, too, because they're not looking at anything. There's not an actual <laughs> plane chasing them down or anything. They actually have to just look and act like I'm looking at something in the air. Well, they had that in the first one, too, where there's always the guy behind the pilot that's, mm-hmm. like, spotting stuff for them. And it's the same deal. Like they're trying to pinpoint where they're, you know, where the plane is coming in behind them. So they're just flailing around, looking behind them and to the sides. And you don't know what's going on. You just know they're searching. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. good enough. It it fits. It works. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, like I said, anywhere you can you can see this movie, big and loud, go to it. Especially because by the time this episode drops, you're gonna have about four days before Jurassic World Dominion comes in and pushes Top Gun 
out of all those premium formats. Uh, so get to it while you can. Um, I think the movie is directed very, very well. I think, uh, being able to get that camera in those cockpits really adds to that immersion of the theater. Like I watching the trailer, I thought the movie might make me sick just from like a motion sickness standpoint of being in the cockpit when some of the shit's going on. Uh, I didn't think it was that bad after seeing the movie. Like I, I handled it fine. I didn't get sick or dizzy or anything. So that's good. And it just looked incredible. Um, it's again compared to the first movie it's the first one that feels like this was not filmed on a soundstage so that's good like that brings you into it too um the the story i think had more heart than maybe i expected i think the the most of the movie and story feels predictable like i don't think it has many surprises or twists but i also don't think it it needed it so it's just, it for for me i think it just hit the the nail on the head for like summer movie blockbuster movie yeah, I think the only time you might really get upset with the plot is if you served in the military. Yeah, if you if you actually know the rules and regulations, you you might be a little upset. You'd be like, no, this wouldn't fly. <laughs> Arrested, court martial, <laughs> dishonorable discharge, like all of you guys, out of here. You're done. Um. All right, so we'll get into the spoiler section and uh, dive into some specifics. So uh, I'll throw out the spoiler warning. If you have not seen Top Gun Maverick and do not want spoiled, pause this now. Come back after seeing the movie. Uh, if you're one of those weird people that actually likes to know spoilers before you see the movie, well, you're in luck because that's what we're going to talk about next. So either way, spoilers to follow. Uh, we'll talk to you after the break. Spoiler. Spoiler. You know, something like that. All right, so we are into spoilers. We can hit story specifics and all that stuff. Uh should we just kind of start with like how the climax of this movie is basically the trench run from Star Wars, complete with switching off the targeting computer and making the kill shot blind? <laughs> like <laughs> it's yeah, it's basically that. It's almost like they were inspired by it. <laughs> I mean, I know like McCory, I think, is a Star Wars fan. I'm I'm assuming Kaczynski is a Star Wars fan. Um, but yeah, it's. Considering they actually do have to fly down a trench, and that's part of the training. I mean, I think there's a lot more build-up to that. Like, yeah. you know, Star Wars just gives you the third act, and then, like, okay, there's the, the trench run, this is your mission, and then they just kind of do it. The The entirety of this movie, basically two-thirds of it, is, hey, this is what we need you to do. The trench run's included. This is your target, and the whole back, you know, two-thirds of the movie is getting that right, figuring out how to make it work. So there's a lot of build up to that. So when it finally happens, I think you're you're just in it, and like yeah, let's fucking go. But yeah, I couldn't help but note the comparisons between the two and just how well that sequence works. I think because of it, and it also has like the same story reasons for it. Like you're in the trench because in Top Gun it's because you're below the Sam's the same anti air, oh, right. yeah. And in Star Wars it's because of the laser batteries, yeah. Like it's the same reason for going down in there, um, the same reason for. Like, not using the targeting computer in Star Wars, it's because it doesn't, it's not lining up, it's not targeting. And in Top Gun, it's because the laser's malfunctioning, but the other dude just sucks and can't aim it right. <laughs> so they both just use the force and get it in the hole. Yep. That's it, they're both shooting at holes. Yep. <laughs> Only about two meters wide. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like the same person designed both of these. <laughs> I mean, like I said, it works, though. Like, even, it does. like... You can't help but be like, oh, this is exactly Star Wars. But you're still in it when you're watching it. Like, I was still at the edge of my seat. Like, are they going to do it? But, like, yeah. 
It's yeah, pretty the cold. difference is, is this had a so we have to escape afterwards. Yeah, not just that's true. Fly away and Darth Vader gets shot out in space, spinning <laughs> around in a circle thing. Which I was actually surprised because like there's so much build up to that that climax of like mm-hmm. getting the underground bunker, getting out of the the mountaintop and getting over there, and then just trying to outrun the Sam sites and the other planes, and you get the moment where. Tom Cruise gets shot down, and then uh, where, where Maverick gets shot down, and then Rooster gets shot down. And then they're both behind enemy lines, and I thought this was, like, gonna be in a whole ex- extended sequence of, like, how they survive in the wild, like, in the in the snow, how they're gonna get out of there. I didn't know where the movie was gonna go. It really just kind of glosses over that part very quickly, and it's like, okay, we found the airfield, we just blew up, uh, there's a plane, we're just gonna walk up and take it, and we're fine. See ya! And if I remember correctly, I think we talked about it. it's a it's the same kind of plane they flew in the first film. Which yeah, it's it's another just way to get to some more nostalgic stuff. That hey, this is another Top Gun one uh, nod, and let's put Tom Cruise back in the cockpit with, you know, he used to ride with with Goose, which was his co-pilot in the back of that plane. So now he's riding with Goose's son in the back of that plane. So the symmetry is there. I like it. I'm cool with it. It's just I. Any other for the for the realistic approach that I feel like they take for most of the movie, for the naval, like aviary, or naval aviator part of the movie, like flying the planes, how they get everything working and and plan out the missions and all that stuff, that like crashing on the ground and then having to survive for a while, they just really glossed over that. I thought they were really going to get into like make that a little bit more real and gritty compared to how the rest of the movie was. I guess I don't know, but. You thought they were going to do a survival film for like a, little, a minute. I thought I thought the genre just kind of shifted right there for a minute. Yeah, like I I kept thinking of uh, uh, the movie Behind Enemy Lines with Owen Wilson, mm-hmm. where he gets shot down and has to just like survive for a couple days. Like that was where I was like, oh shit, they're going to do this. But no, five minutes later, they've already made their way to the airfield, and you don't even see them really checking across the the snowy mountain. They're just there. Oh yeah, they, they we found the base. Yeah, <laughs> it took like. In real time, it seemed like an hour for them to walk over to where the base was. Like, I don't know. So it, it, it's that's maybe like one little nitpick for me. It just seemed like I thought that was going to give us something more, a little bit of a, an extended sequence there. But I guess really, Top Gun's all about flying planes, so they're just trying to get you to the planes. And by that point in the film, that would have added like another half hour, and I don't know if this film needed to be that long. Right, yeah. It... it it hit again at that point of the movie. It hit the emotional stuff it needed, which was you know Maverick sacrifices himself for Rooster. Rooster has, finally has a change of heart and sacrifices himself for Maverick, and then two of them bond on their way back. Um, and uh, shit, what the hell was um the cocky pilot name? What was Hang his man. name? Yeah, and then he finally gets his uh his redeeming. He gets to shoot somebody out of the sky, saving them. So he got excited about that one. Because he's not Bagman, he didn't leave them behind. That's right. That's right. Yes. Um. So yeah, I that whole third act I think works really well. I really did like it a lot. And I think, and I don't know about you. I think you know. We I guess we talked about it a little bit, but uh, I absolutely love the direction in this movie. Like, I feel like I could gush about the direction that the, the way they shot this for a really long time. And I I've only seen the movie once. I feel like I probably need to see it again before I really dive into how shots are framed and stuff that really stuck out to me for how it was shot. But just the, the immersion of the cockpit alone in some of those shots of just the continuous take of 
being in there when they come off the runway and launch the planes and some of the shots of like, I think when they're setting up for their trench run, right? It's like got Tom Cruise in the foreground in the cockpit and then you see him flanked by the other three planes around him mm-hmm. just cruising across the water, like stuff like that. I'm like, this is amazing. No, they did, yeah, a really good job, like, getting the other planes in the background shots of, like, people yeah. doing and then, like, just to make it feel like, okay, everyone is in the air, which yeah. they were actually in the air. Like, they did a good job of conveying what they filmed, which doesn't always happen. With Rewind Theater, we've been watching a lot of um, bad films, <laughs> poorly directed films. So, this is something like this where it's, like, crafted very well. Yeah. Like, by a, by an accomplished person who <laughs> knows what they're doing it's sometimes wild thinking about some of the other stuff we talk about it's it's just become more noticeable to me with some of the stuff we're watching because normally for me bad movies i watch like the schlock stuff where they're bad because they're funny yeah so you're not even thinking about you know frames and stuff we've watched some just bad films that are not funny <laughs> for, for the record, I think we basically went from Red Sonia to this. So it's yeah, a very basically. night and day difference. <laughs> they did not have a water robot in this film. That <laughs> 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 took up 30 minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I just keep thinking about like how even just traditional, not traditional, but like regular movies, I guess, like just people that you frame in a shot in a room in a house somewhere and how much staging and time it takes to get people in the frame. This movie is taking fighter jets live in the air and trying to say, okay, you know, come down, be in the shot, you're out of frame, come in a little bit more. Like, that's got to be intense to try to get all that stuff done. And like you were saying, it's specific time of days Mm -hmm. to be able to do that kind of stuff. Like, that's a lot of moving parts. Oh, yeah. And you're, like, trying to direct, like, actual naval pilots who are flying planes. Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, it's wild. Like, Um, like, there was some really good stuff, like, with, like, the trench run training. Just, like, it... Like, I don't know how they filmed that stuff, but, like, I actually thought they might crash into mountains and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm like, what the... And, like, they actually feel like they're getting really low to the ground. And I'm like, wait, how did they... Did they convince the Navy to do this? Like, like, it's wild. I think the the article that you were talking about earlier, I think, we were talking about how we thought Tom Cruise was... Or at least I thought Tom Cruise was actually flying planes. Mm-hmm. And there was what there was the military right wouldn't sign off to let Tom Cruise fly or something Anyone like that. Fly, yeah. Okay. Only military personnel can fly military planes. So they got them in the planes, but they're though I guess the way they shot it is they're in the back seat of all these mm-hmm. planes, just with the rigs up, acting like they're flying. Okay. Yeah, that yeah, was which... the. It broke the illusion a little bit for me upon learning that because I just thought for sure that Tom Cruise would be the one guy that went through all the necessary training. To be able to fly a jet, but yeah, I guess you know stuff that's worth that much money that you have to almost lease from the defense department <laughs> to be yeah. able to use. You don't want to be put anybody, one man, one actor in charge of of that plane for <laughs> extended periods of time. You know, and it's also a funny thing because they paid them for it. They basically paid them to film a navy ad. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know if you remember, but when Top Gun came out, navy recruitment went up like significantly. To the point where it's like, okay, clearly Top Gun drove recruitment. <laughs> I would be surprised if this does the same thing, honestly. That's what, yeah, people are wondering if that's going to happen again. Yeah, we'll have to revisit those numbers in, in the next year. See, see if that's the difference. Especially since we're technically at peace right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> you're not going to act, you're, you're not thinking I'm actively being shipped to war. <laughs> <laughs> um. So what do you think of the all the characters that we get? I think 
I think most of them are pretty good. They, I think you made the comment. They all seem like they're pretty, pretty much all of them are wild cards. So yes. if this was like the actual Navy, like how, how badly would some of these characters actually be like court-martialed or, or in trouble? Or like they would have just beaten it out of them at some point. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. uh, what's that, um, that Vietnam movie? I feel like there's a lot of them. I don't know which one you're going for. The one with the napalm, with the they have that actual form of army now? instructor, full Full Metal Jacket. Okay, like where they actually start, they beat up that fat guy because he keeps fucking up and getting them in the training. Like they would have <laughs> beaten this stuff out of them literally, like in Full Metal Jacket at some point. <laughs> but like no one in this, I think almost everyone in this film commits a disciplinary action, <laughs> yeah. ranging from like. 500 push-ups to court-martial. Like, yeah. Not a single, like, Navy person in this film, except maybe, like, John Hamm and Warlock. And <laughs> that um, other guy from the very beginning at the test site. I forget his name. Yeah. Hondo, like, right? Huh? Was it Hondo? Is Hondo the guy from the test flight? No, 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 no. Like, the, the guy they're trying to trick that shows up. Oh, that was that was Ed Harris, right? That Ed was Harris, the, yeah. The general guy. Yeah, those are, like, the only three characters that don't commit a violation. <laughs> so, of course, they're all, like, framed almost as antagonists to Tom Cruise. Right, yeah. <laughs> the only people following the goddamn rules. <laughs> yeah, because like, um, Maverick yeah. basically just steals a jet at one point to prove that he can run the trench. No, two different times he steals a jet. He are steals one to first... prove he could go Mach 10. Yeah, it's true, that's true, twice, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The movie be, like begins and then like the climax starts with him stealing jets, <laughs> and then the movie ends with him stealing a jet in an oh, Three jets. He's he's three for three on stealing jets in this movie. <laughs> Holy shit! I didn't even realize that. <laughs> Can't be contained. He wants to fly. He's gonna fly, man. And like the only person that brings it up is John. Ham- I think John Ham brings up like after he steals the jet to show he's like, well, I have two choices. Court martial you, yeah, or make you team leader. <laughs> the two wildly opposite things. And yeah, this have one of my favorite lines. Like John Hamm explains that, and then Tom Cruise begins to answer, and Morlock goes, "That was a rhetorical question." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of the comedic timing I think in this movie works really well too. It's actually yeah. really funny. Like I think that's the thing too. Like John Hamm plays a very serious person in this, but he, he has a lot of like the jokes almost from either. Yeah setting them up or reacting to them that I think works really well. And I think John Hams is very good at that. Like, I think he's shown in his career. I think obviously he's one of my favorite actors. I think he does a really terrific job in this film. Yeah. There's that whole setup with the hard deck of like, you need to go through me to approve the hard deck lowering. And then he goes through <laughs> that whole big spiel. And then at the end he hands him the folder. Oh, what's this? Uh, approval to get the hard deck lowered. Five feet. <laughs> And we're, that's another one where we're like, then hits him with the clincher. You got to learn on your timing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it had, for what it is, it had a lot of good comedic moments, which I guess plays in that whole summer action flick kind of thing. Yeah. You're not played completely straight. Keep it lighthearted. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, if you don't have jokes written, you make it that like you're on a bus that can't go slow. <laughs> you know, you just get comedy <laughs> from the situation. <laughs> God damn it, now I want to watch Speed. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, even the one, like, very early joke is um, Lewis Pullman's character, Lieutenant Robert Bob Floyd, where they're all going through, like, asking what your name is, and like, I'm Phoenix. 
I'm Hondo. I mean, I'm Cyclone. I'm, you know, whatever. And they're like, what's your name? And he's like, Bob. They're like, no, what's your call <laughs> sign? And he goes, Bob. <laughs> he looks like a Bob, too. He does. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny, though. Like, they, like a lot of the characters, you could tell, they just, like, carbon copied some of the stereotypes from the first movie. Mm-hmm. Like, Hangman is definitely supposed to be, like, your Iceman character from the first one. Uh, Rooster is obviously playing off of what Goose was back in the first one. Maverick's obviously still the same, but yeah, they're still hitting those those archetypes, I guess. Oh, and Lewis Pullman was in another film with Sean Ham. Oh, Bad Times that... at the El Royale. Oh, I I remember hearing of that. I have not watched that one. I this is me finding out about it, but John Ham's in it, so. So there you go. Now you're gonna watch it. Probably super <laughs> streaming. Um, I was surprised. Like you said, I don't remember if if Penny was. Uh, Jennifer Collins' character was in the first one. If she was, I don't remember. And I might need someone to explain <clears throat> to me where she was in that movie if she was, but I thought she did great. Her and Tom Cruise, like, I, I can't tell how old they are anymore. I think they both look a lot younger than they probably are. Mm-hmm. And it freaks me out. Like, <laughs> But Jennifer Collins looked great. I thought she was great in the movie. I'm surprised. I guess she didn't really have too much to do. Like, you know, playing the love interest, you don't really get a lot to do because she's not a pilot. She's just the bar owner, really. But I think her scenes with Tom were good enough to, to keep the movie going and, and I don't know, at least made the relationship that they're they're putting on screen feel good, I guess. It, like, it worked for me. Okay, I just found out she's in Requiem for a Dream, so I've seen her before. You didn't think you've ever seen Jennifer Connelly in anything else before? I, I don't know who she is. <laughs> I know she's in Requiem from a Dream, and I just found out Jared Leto's in that. Oh, jeez. He morbs out in Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> there, all right, you got your one more reference in this goddamn episode. We're, you're done. <laughs> you didn't even see it coming. <laughs> I didn't, and I'm really pissed off that you got it in there somehow. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I it made it like I from just looking. That's what I was doing. It doesn't seem like any character named Penny Benjamin maybe was in that first film. Okay. So I'm not sure now where I'm confused about these flashbacks, maybe. Well, I, like, but, I, I was buying it, it because I feel like, like I said, I, I listened to, like, a podcast with the director, and he, they somehow referenced Penny as, like, being referred to someone in the first movie. But they don't elaborate on it, so I couldn't figure out who it was. And like you said, I was looking through the cast list for the first movie and didn't see anyone named that. So I, I don't know what they're referring to. But either way, it did feel like oh they know each other they have a history they established that really well like in that opening bar scene which i think also did a very good job it introduced kind of how all the characters are you know it was a very good like exposition scene like it established the tom cruise jennifer conley dynamic we were gonna have it established hangman as the super cocky bastard bob is kind of like the weird guy yeah. Uh, Rooster is a very charismatic person, like a very, you know, in the zone kind of thing. Like, I think it did a really good job of setting up the characters. It also that was... helped that the only pilots that talked in the bar scene were all the pilots picked for the mission. Yeah. Yeah. Don't focus on the ones that aren't going to make the cut. Yeah. yeah. Like Yale and Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I was, again, same podcast I was listening to. Kaczynski was talking about that scene specifically that. I think somebody asking him questions is a director and on the podcast that I was listening to. And they were asking him about like how that scene is shot that 
there's so many characters in that scene, but you're never confused on like eye lines and who's talking to who and how each character, like you're talking about how each character is set up when, from their introduction, from the bar scene. And he can, like Kaczynski talked about how difficult it was to try to get that set up, how to figure out that scene out, that they had to actually do two passes of it. So I guess they tried it one way and I don't know if it didn't work or they just wanted more. So they ended up shooting a lot of that stuff again. And the cut in the film is basically the two passes of it mixed together. So mm-hmm. they just cut, I guess, what they worked, what worked or what they liked, and that's how it came together. But that seems like they put a lot of time into that bar scene to get all that to work. Because well, it's not just that. There's so many, like, extras in that oh, yeah. scene, too. Yeah. Like, that bar is packed at the end of it. Yeah. Like, it's just getting, like, all of the extras to not fuck up. <laughs> like, I, I, no, that that's very, like, if a movie that has a bunch of flying and, like, high daredevil shit... That bar scene's one of the more impressive scenes in the film. Yeah. From a, yeah. like a just directing standpoint. I agree. Um what did you think of the the uh new homoerotic beach shirtless sport scene? That do it for you? <laughs> what I didn't like was <laughs> they're playing football offensive defense at the same time and it makes no sense to me. Yeah, I don't how understand that how that works. I thought about that too. I was like, I don't get that. And set up another Tom Cruise joke, but the John Ham. Yeah. But like, I'm like, no, what? This makes no sense. Uh, yeah, something else just to, I guess, I don't know if they just wouldn't do volleyball because it would be too too cliche. So they had to do like another sport mm-hmm. that they could do on a beach or something somewhere. But yeah, why you wouldn't just do actual football? I don't know. But <laughs> they're working together, offense and defense, just like flying. What? No, yeah, that's how football works. Yeah. And I I did like there was another, you know, note from production. I forget who said it, but um and one of the when they were doing it, someone threw it to Tom Cruise at one point and he just took off like not a single one of us could catch that man. <laughs> that's that sounds par for the course as well. Yep. Yeah. Tom Cruise running. Can't catch the man, him. The man known for running is really <laughs> good at running. <laughs> um I know we sort of talked about it before, but Anything specific, I guess, from this movie that you felt lost from not seeing the first one or still good all around for anything? I mean, maybe like in the sense, like emotionally, I let me say emotionally, I didn't care about the Val Kilmer thing. But from talking to people I saw the movie with afterwards, (laughs) it felt like most people also didn't care Val Kilmer died. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I guess we should touch on having Val Kilmer in the movie, too. Yeah. Yeah, I was I I didn't think I I was surprised they actually got him in the movie because all of his I haven't seen the the documentary on Amazon about like his life and all of his health issues and stuff that he's going through, but I know he can barely talk now, and I wasn't sure if they'd actually give him a role in the movie or if he would just be referenced and like you start seeing pictures and the first couple interactions with with Ice and Maverick um, are like text message exchanges. So I was like, oh, okay, that's a pretty cool way to get him in the movie without actually have him in the movie. Like, that works. Um, but yeah, there's a big emotional point in the movie where Maverick has to go visit Iceman. And it is Val Kilmer. They got him in the movie. And they got him to to more or less speak, but through the computer but with his uh, disease and not being able to speak and stuff. So I, I didn't get as emotional as other people that had seen the movie. But I did. I think it did carry a lot of weight 
for that scene. I was really glad that they actually gave him the opportunity to come in the movie and be there. Like, I thought that was cool. Um, I, I, I guess it makes sense that they would kill him off after that because it, presumably if you do a third movie, you don't know if you're going to be able to get Val back or what, in what capacity, mm-hmm. if you even want to try that again. So it's just almost a little bit safer maybe. Um, but it also, from a story perspective, story perspective, removes the safety net for Maverick which mm-hmm. is good for the climax of the movie that carries through. But yeah, I guess, yeah, for not having the connection to Val, you, you were okay with him in there. The- I mean, I, I think I got what was happening. I just, you know, without seeing the first one, I maybe didn't care as much as other people, but like, I, I get why it's important and all that. It just emotionally didn't hit me as hard. Cause yeah, that, and you know, it probably didn't help that afterwards I was making jokes that they killed Val Kilmer in real life for that scene. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know that's how I felt about it. I guess, <laughs> but I, I think that's the only thing that stood out. Everything else, they do a lot of flashbacks, like with Goose and with Iceman from the original film. There's even the thing at the end where Rooster acknowledges a picture of him and Maverick, like afterwards on the aircraft carrier. Yeah, that's basically a a, a modern recreation of the shot, the other picture they show of Maverick and Goose from the original film. Yeah. Like, so I got all of it. Like I didn't know Goose died, but they told me multiple times. Yeah, they do uh, flash Goose back died. to that a good bit. Yeah. Like it's a uh, very important to the story, so I knew it happened because they kept telling me. Yeah. And I guess they, I don't want to. The way I said that, they didn't go like I wasn't like stop beating my head over with this. I knew your dad's dead. Fucker. <laughs> you know, yeah, I was gonna ask like if that. it felt if it felt too heavy handed for you if they kept flashing back to it all the time or if it still worked for you. It worked. It, it didn't feel. Heavy. I mean, part of me, I have, I don't like when movies do like flashbacks to other films. Yeah, because okay. I'm like, I think it's cheap. Yeah, like you, I, like, I think you can do it better. You know, like I, like, I, I know, like they're showing you it, but I feel like that's the the show me, don't tell me, because they're just kind of telling me it by showing me the old film instead of establishing it through new dialogue or something. Yeah, yeah. I think there's better ways to do that, but they didn't do it too much in this to the point where I was like, I'm like, guys, this is we saving budget here. (laughs) Um, the opening of the movie. What did you think of the the Mach 10 test flight? Well, the very opening, I was upset that they they start off with Danger Zone. They just throw it in at the very beginning of the film. I, I honestly think that's almost like not shot for shot, but very reminiscent of the first one. Mm-hmm. Like they start with the the same title card and everything of like explaining what Top Gun is, mm-hmm. and then there's just shots of the aircraft carrier and them getting planes up and down and and uh, together on the aircraft carrier with the score for the movie, and then at some point after that, Danger Zone kicks in and then you're just flying around and doing stuff. So I think that's just mm-hmm. how the first one was. So they just wanted to start sort of the same. Because, well, to me, too, it's because at the very end, the trench run, they have to, like, curve up, and it's called the, like, coffin corner or coffin yeah, zone. Yeah, yeah, But it's the danger zone! Like, that's clearly the danger zone! <laughs> Why don't you call it that and play the song, like, the first time? Like, come on! <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I don't I mean, know. It was I'm, there. I'm waiting for the... I'd, I'd like to see, actually, just maybe whenever this movie's out, like, on, on streaming and video and stuff, that someone takes that sequence and cuts it to Danger Zone. Oh, yeah. And see how it to. plays. Because I'd be curious if it, would, if it would feel any better if it would still carry the the 
like if you if you'd be more concentrated on the on the danger zone music than sort of what's happening if that distracts maybe is the only thing I could think of but are you like humming danger zone to yourself yeah. right now is that way <laughs> yeah, I am <laughs> I'm in it <laughs> but back to your question I thought the mock ten test was cool it's tough because a lot of that is just Tom Cruise in a cockpit trying to make it look like his face is going faster <laughs> a lot of that scene you know. <laughs> Yeah, because I don't know if they... I doubt they actually flew that plane that fast. Oh, yeah, no. There's no way. That plane doesn't exist. Yeah. I think we looked it up afterwards that the record's like 9.6. Like Mach 9. Oh, for the mock speed, yeah. Yeah. So there's no way they got Tom Cruise on an experimental plane when they wouldn't let him fly F-18s. Well, I'm thinking, like, maybe they got that plane in the air and did some shots with it aerially, but just not going that fast. I, I'm not even convinced that that's a plane that can go that fast. Like, okay. I think that was just, like, a, some type of, like, commercial jet, almost, that they yeah. just painted over so it looks, you know, cooler. That's another but, shot I really love, too, is when that finally, like, you pull up with Ed Harris coming in to try to stop them, and he's just standing there as the plane lifts off above him. Oh, and, and then the, he's just covered in sand and shit? Yeah, like, the, yeah, no, the, cool. the shockwave of it just mm-hmm. carries over the ground. Like, that's so great. That was a shot from the trailer, but I... I fucking love that. Yeah, that's the first court martial of the film. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, you know, that in that scene right there, right at that shot, like, I don't think there's one thing I haven't talked about enough about, but the sound design for this movie is excellent, mm-hmm. which is another reason I think you should see this in, the, like, the loudest theater you can, because I think the sound for the planes and the jets and everything firing up and flying is so fucking good. No, oh, it, they, from what I can tell, it feels real. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a jet jet spurt, but <laughs> yeah, because we went. There's the one theater we typically go to around our area is a Dolby theater at uh, one of the AMC's around here, and the sound design in that theater is top tier for anything I think we can get in the area. So it's I have a hard time seeing movies anywhere else beside that theater, and hands down, this is one of the best sounding movies I've seen in that theater probably in the last year. No, it definitely seems like a film that. The, the sounds a very another integral part of the whole directing filming aspect of it that they put yeah. really care into because they know it's important because you know it's fucking jet planes like yeah <laughs> they they're fucking loud true um i don't know if i have any other notes or questions i need to get to do you have anything else you want to talk about I feel like I could just like kind of like rave about the movie a little bit more, but I'm not. Nothing else is really sticking out to me at the top of my head. I mean, I like the one plot point where um, we find out the one of the reasons Rooster doesn't like Maverick, not just because uh, he blames him for his dad being dead, but also because he basically got him not accepted into like Top Gun. Oh, uh, right. Yes. And set yeah. his career back three ish years. Yeah. And we find out it's because. Goose's, uh, Rooster's mother asked Tom Cruise to do that. Who was actually Meg Ryan in the first movie. Okay. Yes. I knew who that is. Yeah. And, um, and he's like, I, I, and Tom says, you know, I'm never going to tell him because he can hate me. I don't want him to be mad at her. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And he, and he never does tell yeah. him. Yeah. But they still emotionally get over it through the power of flying. <laughs> for the need for speed. <laughs> They never say that line again, which I guess they could have. But what? That is disappointing. I think we need a but, new a new gif of that. I mean, the only other thing is like it very clearly this movie was filmed trying to get in China, 
because the enemy is just a rogue state, unnamed, no no <laughs> nationality, nothing. Like the pilots are wearing like full blackout like masks oh, and everything, yeah. so you you can't even guess what ethnicity or nationality they might be. <laughs> like they really wanted this to be able to be played everywhere because the enemy is unknown. Like that's yeah. the only other that was like very noticeable thing they did. I think in filming. I also think that they they did that in the first one too. Like by the end of the movie, they're engaged with like some people flying enemy MIGs, but I don't think they ever say what country they're from or what enemy they are. And it's the same type of thing. You see the pilots flying around, but they're all blacked out and covered up, so you don't know what ethnicity ethnicity or where they're from or any designation marks. Nothing. So, but it's the heart of the Cold War, so you know they're Russian or Chechenian. Uh, fair. Yeah, I think yeah, it's like you can definitely assume <laughs> what country or faction they're from. This one, it's a little tougher because it's people just tried to make uh, uran- enriched uranium for nuclear bombs. I'm not oh. get- That's another story, Pete, is like, this feels like a very bad plan for doing this, but... Oh, yeah. Um, one thing I just remembered, too, after we came out of the movie, you had said you were very disappointed with the their one single use of the word fuck. Yes! <laughs> yes, so... Um... When they're escaping, I believe, in the F-14, after getting shot down, Rooster says, there's all kind of shit and fuck behind us and stuff. Like, he says that. <laughs> but before that, when they get shot down, uh, and Tom, it, when, the, when Maverick and Rooster meet up in the snow, and, like, Maverick's like, I sacrificed myself for you. This was, like, my big moment, which I'm now realizing he's being real selfish with that. <laughs> and he's like, why did you come back after me? I told you to stay away. Why? Why were you thinking? And Rooster says... But I wasn't thinking. told me not to think or something, yeah. Yeah. And Tom just goes, (laughs) And that would have been a perfect, fuck. Like, that would have been a perfect fuck right there. Like, fuck, I fucked up telling you not to think. Like, that that was, I was in my seat being like, I guess they don't say fuck in this movie. And then they say Yeah, and then like 10 minutes later. later, Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what? You using the fuck there? Like, come on, guys. It was a clear like, waste. That one word has the use of that one word has now docked the movie like a half a point for you. Honestly, honestly, yeah, like that's a, I think a writing mistake. <laughs> if you're gonna use the your one fuck, use it in like that impactful scene where it perfectly <laughs> fits. Not because Rooster's panicked by the pilots behind. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. come on. I mean, I still think where they used it worked for me, but I could I could see the argument of where you want it to be, and I could see that working also. I need an edit of that, but I think <laughs> you pointed out that Tom Cruise doesn't say fuck. I I can't weird yeah because that's the other thing we were talking about is I can't think of any movies that he's been in that I've seen off the at least off the top of my head where I can think of him saying fuck. And uh, granted, most of the movies he's in that I've remember seeing are PG thirteen. So I'm trying to remember, like, R-rated movies, and I don't know if I've seen many of them with him. I'd have to, like, go through the whole IMDb and try to see what's rated R and what's not, what I've seen, and what I remember. I hope I hope he said it only in War of the Worlds. I, I don't think he says... Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I mean, that could have allowed one fuck, but I don't remember if he says it in that movie. All these fucking aliens in my father's <laughs> Definitely wasn't used like that. <laughs> But yeah, that was my. If I had to write the rewrite the film, that would be my one big change. Like, guys, <laughs> that's not where the fuck goes. Like, clearly, yeah. But yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. There's, I think, some moments we didn't talk about that have funny stuff. Like, 
him escaping from Penny's house when the daughter comes home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's good, yeah. You know, there's a lot of good things in this film, and I think it's definitely, like you said, worth seeing. It's not... It's really well-directed and shot. The story is kind of basic. I don't think it's like an Academy Award-winning film. Like I think you could get there on some of the directing stuff, just because it's very impressive, but I don't think it hits that, like... That level you you know that you when an Academy Award gets nominated, it's gotta almost be something weird. I could see them getting an award though. Some I don't know if it's like um, effects or something just for the camera work with the the pilots. I think with the flying, I think it's really well done. And I I'm not as big of a proponent as you as going into the theaters. Mm. So I don't know if you need to rush out into your Dolby to go see this, but I I don't think it hurts. Yeah, I mean, like I, I'm, I'm more pushing for it now, just because within four days or five days, once this is this episode's up, it's gonna get pushed out. So if you have any desire whatsoever to see this movie in a really good theater, try to get to it in the next couple of days. Assuming you're listening to this episode when it gets released, otherwise you're already SOL and Jurassic Park's in the theater and you're you're screwed. Yeah, um, not just that, but Morbius is coming back to theaters. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> you're done you've hit your quota you're done um one for each morbius movie <laughs> i i totally lost my train of thought after that too oh the uh, <laughs> i think i i believe paramount movies are hitting paramount plus around 45 days after release so there's a good chance this will hit paramount plus pretty quickly uh i don't think i've seen an actual release date for it on paramount plus yet but it's only been out in theaters for a, a week already so i feel like this one's doing good enough for them and stuff that they they would push this at least like the 60 or something you know what i mean this is one they don't have like a firm thing this is one i would see them delaying because it's such that tentpole summer blockbuster kind of movie well i think just because it goes to Paramount plus in 45 days doesn't mean they pull everything from the theater i think it'll still be in theaters but it's you know it's harder to get people to keep going to the you know once it's out yeah I think because I think that's part of the strategy is like your bigger stuff that's doing well, you wait a little longer. Maybe I don't. I mean, then again, who's subscribed to Paramount Plus? I I am currently subscribed. I I will admit you that pay the money. Jesus I Christ. I I went in for the Halo series and I'm technically still on there. I don't. You I just forget to unsubscribe. <laughs> it might be some of that, but I'm I'm trying to find other things to watch on all these all these services just so I can justify giving them money, but. Yeah, that's that's a whole other issue for me. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know if I have anything else. Um, I really liked it. I I again, I only saw it once. I'd like to see it again. I don't think I'm gonna get to it in the theater again before. Uh, well, at least not in the the nice premium mm-hmm. format theaters because the next movie for me is probably gonna end up being you know Jurassic Park. Uh, for that stuff. So. If I can get around to seeing it again, just maybe in a regular theater somewhere, then I I might try to try to do that. But chances are it'll probably get stuck by the wayside until it's on Paramount Plus, and then try to watch it at home and see how it sounds and feels. But uh, yeah, anything any last thoughts for you for Top Gun, and then we'll get to get to a rating. I'd like that they use Tom the Hawk cruise missiles. Oh God. <laughs> I, Leslie's gonna appreciate that joke, but I'm not. I'm. I'm not even gonna give it the time of day. 
Um, all right, so out of ten for our final thoughts for your for your rating out of ten, what would you give Top Gun Maverick? This is a tough one. Um, let's say like an eight point two. I think it's really well done movie that had terrific thought put into it, except for when they use the word fuck. <laughs> so without, if they have if they had used the word fuck properly, what would you give this movie? Eight point eight. Okay, so it did get a almost a point five taken off. All right. Uh, I, I, again, really like this movie. I think directing, cinematography, sound design, all of it really hits. Uh, after a first viewing, I, yeah, I feel like my review is going to come in pretty high and I, you know, I, I reserve the right to, to change my rating one way or the other if after a second viewing, but after a first viewing, I, I really, really liked it. I'm going to give it a 9.5. Oh, I think yeah, I think good. it's very very good for just a summer fun blockbuster movie. Um, it it's really a movie I think anybody could see. Like mm-hmm. I don't like you know your parents, your grandparents. I don't know if younger kids would be is enthralled with like fighter jet movie. Um, your kid but, likes airplanes. Yeah, yeah, that could work. But yeah, I I think it it hits a lot of the the stuff that I wanted from this movie. Um, like I said, stories. Maybe simpler than uh, I, I might have expected, but I don't. I also don't think I need something very complex for a movie like this. So, I'm I'm really curious to see with the amount of money this movie's making if they decide to greenlight another one and mm-hmm. what that story and movie would be. Because I think, you know, when you're like 35 years removed from the first movie to this one, you don't. Everybody, when you make a movie that far apart. The, the next one out, the next sequel is always really relying on nostalgia, which which this movie does tenfold. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it works. If you make another sequel after this, if they do Top Gun 3 within the next five years, I don't think you can really rely as heavily on that. So you kind of have to do something different with that movie and that story. So that's something I'd be very interested to see where they go next. Well, I, if, I, if I had to say, I think it would star Rooster and he would be like the lead. Like they would move on, like have Tom Cruise in more of a supporting role, like not heavily involved as much. Yeah. And make it like a roost, like, you know, Top Gun rooster. And that would be interesting to see if the, the not secondary, but I guess if you're not Tom Cruise, if you can lead that franchise in that movie. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like they've tried to, tried to move Tom Cruise off of some other franchises that, like Mission Impossible was the big one. They, they brought in Renner. Who it mm-hmm. seemed like Renner was going to replace Tom Cruise, and then Tom Cruise basically said, "I'm not done with this," and just continues to make the movie. So, but the difference I think is, is like with these movies, like with Top Gun, is they had to convince Tom to come back by saying like the different new cool things they would do. But I don't know if there's when your when your main thing is pilots flying planes, it's harder to come up with wild shit like they do in Mission Impossible. That's because true. You're not, your heart's stuck almost in the airplane thing. Yeah. Yeah, good point. All right, yeah, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on this and see where it goes. See if they talk about anything else. Um, But, yeah, I guess that's it for Top Gun. Pretty, pretty quick episode for us for a change, which is, for a movie review, I think we did pretty good. Here. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't really know what... Uh, well, I don't usually like teasing what we're going to cover next because there, there's always a lot of stuff up in the air is what I decide to do, but there's plenty of stuff I want to get to. Um, so I don't know if we'll get to everything or when uh, we'll even get to some of this stuff, but Star Wars Celebration just happened. They dropped a bunch of trailers and announcements, um, which I now realize I haven't really 
shared any of that on our socials. Uh, so I should probably try at least forwarding that information to people that are interested. So if you're if you're following the socials, I'll try to get to that stuff. I don't know, start throwing up trailers and announcements from Celebration just to say, hey, this stuff's happening. Um, but that's on my mind to go over and summarize some of that stuff as an episode. Um, I don't know really when we're going to get to it. Um, Summer Games Fest kicks off this coming week with Xbox Bethesda having a, another event a few days later. Uh, Sony just had a 30-minute say to play the other day. So there's plenty of video game stuff coming up in the next week to talk about also. And then, like I mentioned, this coming weekend, Jurassic Park comes out. So... That's something else that I'd like to get to. So there's a lot of stuff all seemingly happening at the same time that I, I really want to get to. So I don't know what the order is for some of this stuff or what we'll get to it or when. Um, but if we actually get to cover all that stuff, I think at some point that it's going to put us pretty close to Thor Love and Thunder. And then that's a, something else that's going to come out that we're going to talk about too. Um, and then uh, one last tease, I guess. We, we haven't done a, a never seen that in a while, but after talking with Ian about a specific movie franchise, uh, it came up that he's never seen any of the six movies that are currently out right now, and they have seven and eight on the way beginning next year, so between now and when number seven releases, uh, we're going to try to put Ian and, I don't know, possibly Andy? I gotta double check with him and try to confirm. Uh, But at least Ian, maybe Andy on the hot seat and see what they think of, of that franchise, so that's something hopefully we can get to Hopefully, starting next month, we can we can get the first one of that that franchise out, and uh, start littering them in maybe every couple months between now and uh, I think June of next year, June or July. I can't remember now, but we got about a year to to start covering some of this stuff. Uh, so if you haven't figured out what franchise that is, I'm not going to spoil it for you. We'll we'll talk about that whenever we we get to it. Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so if you've uh, enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five-star rating and review. You can give us a share on social media. Uh, be sure to follow or subscribe to keep up with the show. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Anchor, Stitcher, Amazon, uh, hopefully anywhere you're finding podcasts, you can find us. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook, search Guy into Super Friends, or go to facebook.com slash Superfriends. Uh, you can send us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that stuff there. Give us some feedback on the episodes. Uh, we'll, we'll check all that stuff out. Uh, you can email us, bryguysuperfriends at gmail.com. I haven't checked it in probably four or five months, but uh, so if you got anything in there, I will respond at some point. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at BGSuperfriends. Uh, that we will see. I can respond to those. Uh, feel free to follow me on Twitch at JediBryGuy. That's Jedi with an I, Bry with a Y. Uh, whenever we decide to do another live recording, we will stream it on Twitch. Uh, if you want to ever see me, Play some random video games here and there. A lot of times with this guy. Uh, we'll do it there also. So give me a follow to keep up with that. And that's it. On behalf of Ian and myself, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next time.